0: So let us end today, then, full of awe for the patience, the purpose, and the person of Jesus uh, We're talking this morning I am about uh, patience, about purpose. About, uh, about hope. And uh, I want you to think think of a time in your life uh, when you've needed to be very patient because you had a purpose that you were working through. Think about a time when, you, when, when patience was needed. And uh, I want to share with you a, a little story about uh, an example from my life last week. And uh, it was the, the, the possibly... Yeah, yeah, do you know what, why not? It was, it was probably the, the, the most patience, needing situation I've ever found myself in. If you ever interview people for jobs, if you ever hiring somebody, if you're ever deciding whether somebody should come and work on your team, maybe you should, you know, if you put them in this situation, you're going to find out who they really are. And uh, thankfully, nobody put me in this situation before calling me to pastor the church. Anyway, so the situation is this it was last week, it was Thursday evening. Last week on Friday uh, was our youngest son's birthday. He was three last Friday. And uh, Robin and I, well, Robin decided that uh, it would be a great idea to get this boy a trampoline and that we should build it. The night before his birthday, outside, uh, in the dark, because we don't want him to see this trampoline before his birthday, so off, you know, off he goes to bed, um, reluctantly, and uh, out comes the trampoline. And um, it was it was dark. I was tired. It was Thursday night. It's you know almost the middle of May. It's kind of warm, so it's dark. It's tired. It's warm. The picture on the the, uh, the instruction manual didn't match the parts that were in the box. It was printed in Arabic, very, very tiny, unclear Arabic print. Uh, we had extra pieces in the box. We had pieces missing from the box. I'd never done this before. And this thing absolutely uh, cut me to shreds and bruised me like a peach. And uh, it was probably the, <laughs> the most patience testing situation I've ever ever uh, found myself in. At one point I was ready to throw it off the roof, uh, to call down fire from heaven, just to consume this thing and have it out of our lives. And uh, it was just the most patience testing thing I've possibly ever, ever done. And uh, so... How do you get through stuff like that? Well, for last week for me, it was thinking a little bit longer term, which is so difficult in these situations, isn't it? Thinking a little bit longer term, thinking of the purpose. Why is this happening? You know, why am I out here on Thursday night trying to spring a trampoline, you know, like attach the springs to a trampoline? Why am I out here doing this? Why am I... You know, getting cut and bruised and angry and hot. Why am I doing this? Why is, what's the purpose behind this? Why is this happening? And obviously when you just kind of take a deep breath and pause and think, the purpose of that was to, was to bless our little boy, was to do something difficult in the moment so that he would be hugely blessed when he woke up the next day. And he was... His face was so beautiful when he walked out there on Friday morning last week and saw this trampoline uh, into which blood, sweat and tears (laughs) had gone. But in the moment, it's so difficult to just pause and just remember, look, tomorrow Jesse is going to love this. Why am I doing this? Why am I putting myself through this difficult time, this trial and tribulation now? Because there is something coming that is even better than this is difficult. It's going to be so much better than this is difficult. So you endure, you pick up your funny little tool for springing springs and trampolines and you start again and you get into it. So today then I want to ask you a question and it's not about trampolines. Uh, Next time we're just going to get the guy from the shop to come and build it. So let me ask you a question this morning. Do you feel like you are going through something difficult right now? Now, if we were in church together physically this would be a little bit more interactive you can see people nodding some people are hand raisers in church and they'll put their hands up but um, if you're with us live and, and, and you want to and you're comfortable admitting that do you feel like you're going through a tough time right now do you feel like you're enduring something difficult right now in your life if you want to share uh, what it is publicly with us now, that's great. If you don't, when you want to send us a private message about it so we can walk through it with you, that's also fine. If you just want to give us a yes, give us a some kind of, yeah, this is me. You know, Do you feel like you're going through a tough time right now? Do you feel like you're enduring something difficult right now? Because if you do, if that is you, if you're watching us this morning, or later in the week on catch-up or whatever, if you listen to this as a podcast in a couple of weeks' time, if you feel like you are going through something difficult right now, then James is writing to you by extension and application. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you this morning through the pen of James and the print of your Bible, be that on paper or digital the holy spirit is speaking to you through the pen of james and the print of your bible uh, through the word that we are about to receive so if that is you if you feel like you're going through something difficult right now and if we're all honest most of us are aren't we we're nobody's life looks exactly the same as it did a week ago, a month ago, three months ago. So we're all going through something difficult. Somebody explained it to me like this: that you know, we're not we're not all in the same boat. It, you know, people often say, "Look, we're all in this together. We're on the same boat." It's 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 you know it's we're all doing the same stuff. And, and we're not, are we? We're all we're all in the same storm, but we're not in the same boat. And it's affecting different people in different ways. So if we're all honest. This is all of us. We're all going through something different right now. So by application, by extension, what James was teaching to those people originally is very, very much for you and for me today. And if that is you, if you're going through something difficult right now and James could have written this to if you feel like, wow, James is writing this to me, for me, about me, then please do let us know. Please do send us a message. We would love to be walking through this with you to support you. Through this, and uh, you know, there is almost certainly somebody else who's part of this big church family that's been through the same thing before or is going through the same thing right now. So please do let us know. Uh, Charles Simeon, a British pastor uh, who cared for and led one church for 54 years uh, in the 18th and 19th century, said that this part of James chapter 5, verses 7 to 11, is 100% written to believers who are trying to hold on to their faith through trials and tribulations. And I do think, is that you today? Let me say that again. This part of James uh, chapter 5 verses 7 to 11 is 100% written to believers trying to hold on to their faith through trials and tribulations. And I wonder, is that you today? today so again then we're in James we're in chapter 5 we've been there for a few weeks Uh, if you've just joined us and you've not been working through it with us we've kind of broken it down into uh, there are 12 little standalone messages about something for you to do with your Christian life we learned a lot in Hebrews now we're doing a lot in James and uh, it's about excuse me it's about 90% through your Bibles. Uh, so we're in James chapter 5 today, uh, as we were last week. And James is firmly addressing believers. Col- he uses this collective term for believers right off, the, right off the bat. You know, brothers, brothers and sisters. After the last two weeks, he talked about behaviors that were just not appropriate for believers. Now he is talking to what he's, he's teaching about, he's writing about, what is expected of believers. See, he is 100% right to you and to me and to us this morning. So read with me uh, James chapter 5, verses 7, 8, and 9. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it, until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. So right off the bat, then straight away, James says, look, be patient some people straight away are thinking "Mm, that's not me he says be patient and what he's talking about what he means is to have a, a, a patient expectation so you are sure 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 beyond all reasonable doubt there is something coming in the future and you're waiting for it you're not just sitting on your couch scrolling through netflix hoping that something pops up that you think "Ooh, i might like to watch that you know that something is coming in the future and you're you're patiently waiting for it because you know with such a a, with such a certainty that it is coming you're expectant you know what's coming like a farmer (laughs) writes james you're not rushing the process you're happy to trust in another's timekeeping and there is faith on display there in your patience isn't there Faith in action is James' big thing. And here it's faith in action through patience, perseverance, and sometimes perspiration. Because it is hard, isn't it? We're not going to pretend that this is easy. You know, Staying faithful in difficult circumstances because you know there are good things coming is, is difficult. It's, it's very, very difficult. We're not going to pretend that it's not. And James writes about early and late rains. Again, he's using this agriculture farming. Uh, these terms are very common at the, at the time. He writes about early and late rains and how both are needed. You know, one prepares the ground, one allows the stuff to grow, and both are needed, but they don't come together. There's a period of waiting in the middle. And For you and for me, we are so Focused on getting what we want now that the idea of having to wait for anything or suffer a little bit or endure through something difficult is totally alien to us isn't it you know just think how many times have you picked up your phone opened that little orange app and ordered food to come right to your door Somebody's going to make it for you, somebody's going to deliver it to you, and all you've got to do is press, press, press on your phone. And if your food doesn't come within five seconds of the suggested time, you're on that phone and you're demanding that your food arrives five minutes ago. Because the idea for us now in 2020, the idea of waiting for anything is so incredibly foreign to us, isn't it? And you know it's even wrapped up. It's even uh, mislabeled as bold and decisive leadership. You know, if you wait for anything, if you if you take a couple of days to think and pray, you no, know, oh, you know, you know, you're not. You need to act. There's not the time for waiting. But you know, the idea of waiting is so alien to us. Whether it's something totally non-essential and luxurious, like food being delivered to your house, or whether it's something huge, like you're working through something really, really difficult. And you don't see the way forward, but you know that, that, that somebody is going to make a way through it. The idea that we've got to wait and endure is so alien and foreign to us. But James writes in verse 8 look, be like a farmer and just be, be, just be patient. And in the meantime, he writes, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Focus on something that is coming, have a target and have a goal. But you know what, James doesn't let you pick the goal because if you were gonna pick the target, if we were gonna establish our own goals, it's gonna be something for us, uh, isn't it? You know, it's, um, if we were picking the target, if we were picking the end of the race, it's gonna be something that benefits us in a very material and fleshly way. So James says, look, uh, no need. I'll I'll give you the goal, I'll give you the target. He says, uh, be patient, establish your hearts. Have a goal of a target. For the coming of the Lord is at hand. And the coming is at hand. Is, it means it's drawing near. We're getting nearer to it by the day. And we said last week, didn't we? That we are living in the last days. The, the days between the crucifixion of Jesus. that We're in these last days now. Until he comes back. And we're in, the, we're in these days. We're in the middle we read it here as the coming of the Lord Uh, the the, the coming of the Lord is at hand that when he comes back when he comes and calls his church to him when he physically bodily comes back a little bit after that so just imagine it's kinda like this Uh, picture yourself you uh, come out of your house or your apartment block and uh, you're gonna take a walk to the beach and Living where we do in Bahrain, uh, if everybody comes out of their house and everybody walks due north, we're on an island, we're going to get to the sea. So it's almost like from the start, you've got to go with me here, from the start of time, from creation, we've all been walking, time as a thing has been walking towards the beach. From the creation of the world, time has been going in this same direction. This something coming, we're walking towards this goal. And then the death and the resurrection of Jesus has changed things. And we've reached the beach. The, the, the sea is lapping against your feet. Now we're not walking towards the sea anymore because we're already there. What we've been working towards and walking towards has happened death and resurrection, ascension of Jesus. Now we've turned and we're walking along the beach. And there's nothing between you walking along the beach and the sea at the side of you. We're not walking towards it anymore because we're already there. We're now walking along it. We're walking next to it. There's nothing left between us and the time when Jesus comes back. That's what James is talking about when he says, look, uh, the coming of the Lord is at hand. There's nothing else to happen. There's no more distance to cover towards the beach. We're not walking towards it anymore because he came, he lived, he died, he rose, he ascended. And we're there. We're right on the beach. We're right at the water's edge. Now we're just kind of walking along, waiting for him to come back this then is this is what he's talking about establish your hearts because we're already there establish your hearts take courage and endurance and patience from the fact that nothing else is to happen before he comes again we're already there we've reached the beach we're on the beach we're at the water's edge there's nothing there's nowhere else to go there's nothing left on the timeline Before he comes again, there's no more space between you and that water. And that's what he's saying. Establish your hearts. Take comfort, endurance. There's nothing left to happen before he comes back. That's what James is meaning. That's what he's saying when he says, Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Target that truth. Be patient until that point. Jesus is coming back. That's what he's saying. Notice with me so far, then, the the fact that James is addressing believers. We said a couple of times right at the start, didn't we, that he, 100% addressing believers. And he is energetically and enthusiastically encouraging us, you and me, to be patient in trial and establish hearts in tribulation. But he's writing to believers. And he's telling you, your life is going to be difficult being a believer doesn't remove you from, or protect you from, life's little ups and downs and trials and tribulations. Your life is going to be difficult. Anyone who sees that you're going through something and just says kind of casually and kind of flippantly, Oh, don't worry, just cast your cares on the Lord, brother, and have a good day, bye-bye. They've not... You know, if people who say that to you just cast all your cares on the Lord. It cares for you. But they've not taken the time to actually talk to you about what you're going through. What you're working through. How it's making you feel. What People who, who just regurgitate encouraging Bible verses to you. Without taking the time to talk to you. Have not really grasped the truth of the verse that they're throwing in your face during a difficult time. Cast all your cares on. To have cares... To cast to cast anything, you've got to have those cares. James is writing to believers and saying your life is going to be difficult. You're going to have cares. You've got to have cares before you can cast them. So look, we're going to need to establish hearts, pick a point. We're not even going to pick a point. James has given us a point in the future to establish our hearts on, to work towards, and to look towards something unchanging, something unbending because everything around us is gonna be difficult your life is gonna be tough things around us are not as we would like at the moment are they? again like we said at the start nobody would have you know this is nobody's ideal scenario and when things do go wrong When life is difficult for us, try as we might in our own feeble flesh. We try so hard to avoid it, but we complain, don't we? We're all very good at it. doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, the language you speak, the language you think in. If it's not the language you speak, we're all pretty good at complaining. And James writes in verse 9, Do not grumble against one another brothers so that you may not be judged behold the judge is standing at the door so don't grumble against one another this is so hard isn't it don't complain to or about others believers one another He's talking to believers therefore one another is believers don't complain grumble about each other when your life is getting tough but this is so difficult isn't it have you ever met people people are difficult You're difficult, I'm difficult, we are difficult. People are difficult. And this is so hard not to (laughs) complain about. So this is so hard. James is saying then, really, really simply, because of the call for patience in verses 7 and 8, because of this longer term view of life that we must have as believers, must have... Don't let this stuff out of your mouth is what he's saying literally because if you're a longer-term view of things Don't when life is difficult. Don't complain to or about or grumble against one another Don't really really simply don't whine when you are waiting We're being patient. We're patiently expecting something to happen. We've got this target in the future Don't whine while you are waiting And then he even says why? He says so that you may not be judged. Uh, Paul writes, doesn't he, in Second uh, Corinthians? Uh, Jesus comes back to judge, and uh, as believers, we'll all stand before him and give. Uh, we'll give account. Uh, we're gonna. Everything we've done, said, is uh, is is laid out. So d- don't complain. Don't whine. Don't. Don't be that person. Just don't. <laughs> James writes, why? So you may not be judged. The judge is standing at the door. The true judge is close by. Judge here comes from a Hebrew word that means ruler, saviour, deliverer. If the coming of the Lord is at hand, as he's just written in verse 8, uh, the Jesus is the true and ultimate judge then is, of course, close by. And again, we're walking to the beach. We're at the beach. We're now walking along the beach. There's nothing left. He is literally ready and willing to come. Nothing else is going to happen. And so James is saying, look, don't complain. Don't whine about one another uh, in the meantime is what he is saying. So very, very simply then, he's saying, look, have patience. Be patient. Expectantly wait for something that is sure and steadfast in the future. Have patience and wait. Establish your heart. Focus on something because... As he is now going to say in verses 10 and 11, there is a purpose to this. You know, with stuff as the world as it is at the moment, with coronavirus having kind of paused, every. there is a purpose. There's always a purpose. And your patience is part of God's purpose. So read with me uh, verses 10 and 11. James chapter 5 as an example of suffering and patience brothers take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord behold we consider those blessed who remained steadfast you have heard of the steadfastness of Job and you have seen the purpose of the Lord how the Lord is compassionate and merciful and we like examples don't we you know verses 7 8 and 9 tell us what to do tell us uh, why we're doing it. But we like examples, don't we? Uh, Unlike my trampoline experience last week, uh, it's very, very helpful if the example you're given fits the situation. Didn't for me, building that trampoline. And uh, somewhat miraculous that we've now got a trampoline in our house. But um, it's helpful (laughs) if the example fits the situation that you find yourself in. Uh, So James uses the prophets and job and he says he says look you know as an example of suffering and patience take the prophets who spoke in the name of the lord in verse 10 so as a model to copy a, a place to look for the do's and don'ts of our faith he says take the prophets their suffering their affliction their troubles their perseverance their patience and their long suffering Just think about one, for example, think about Jeremiah. He endured a lot, shall we say, with patience. Uh, I read a little summary about him this week. He was put in the stocks, uh, so locked up in the center of town. Uh, He was put in prison and he was lowered into a dirty, dingy, sewery dungeon. Yet he carried on and he persisted in his ministry with patience patience and James says look look to the prophets as an example of suffering and patience brothers and sisters take the prophets look at the prophets he doesn't say look just pause look around who's the successful rich powerful who was the most influential person of the day who rode the best donkeys who lived in the biggest house who wore the nicest robes he says no we consider those blessed who remained steadfast. Not, we consider those blessed who had the most this, or had you know, a lot of that, or lived in this place, or at these kind of planet. He says, look, we consider those blessed who remained steadfast. And then he gives this massive example of Job and his refusal to blame God. If you've never, ever, ever read the book of Job, do. Uh, a few weeks ago, we finished a devotional series through Job, looking at the big, uh, big foundational life questions that the book of Job raises. And in the story of Job, if you've not seen it, I'm going to spoil it for you. Uh, we've seen it if you've not read it. We see the purpose of God, the final The last chapter, the last few verses, we see the purpose behind everything that's going on. God's purpose in his dealings with us. So if you've got a Bible there, uh, please do turn with me to Job. It is... um, If you open your Bibles right in the middle, uh, you're going to get to the book of Psalms. That wonderful book of Hebrew poetry. The book before Psalms is Job. And we want to go to the very last chapter of Job. We want to go to Job 42. This is really difficult to judge when we're not in the same room. So I'm just going to assume that you found it really quickly. Uh, So (laughs) Job 42. Uh, Read with me verse 10. And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends. And the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had... Before. Read with me as well, verse twelve. The Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning, and he had fourteen thousand sheep, six thousand camels, a thousand yoke of oxen, and a thousand female. Donkeys. Now we're not too concerned with the material blessings of Job. This is not a magic formula because you are not Job and I am not Job. Even us collective, we are not Job. But this is a general truth. God wants what is best for you. God wants what is best for you, not what you think is good. Not what you would choose, left to your own devices. God wants what is best, what is blessed for you. We see the purpose there in verse 10. The Lord restored Job. And in verse 12, the Lord blessed Job. God wants to restore what is broken in your life. God wants to bless you more than you can even ever imagine. Why? Let's go back to James we see in uh, James 5 verse 11 why the purpose of the Lord, the Lord is compassionate and merciful. He says, look, you've, you've you heard about Job, you know about Job, you've seen the purpose of the Lord. He doesn't explain that it's to restore and to bless because he's speaking to people who he assumes know exactly, and he knows they know exactly what he's talking about. You've, you know about Job, you, you see the purpose of the Lord, to bless, to restore and how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. It is so important to lean on and to stand on this truth right now. It's so important to know that God is good, that he is compassionate, that he merciful. Because there are going to be times in your life when your circumstances seem to suggest otherwise. Like, Lord, why have you brought me... Or Oz, why have you brought me all this way? This isn't doesn't feel fair. We've come so far, we've invested so much time, talent, and treasure into into, into whatever into this. Why have we sacrificed so much just to be here? And then why is all this happening? things are going to happen that make you feel like that and at times like that when you've been sucked into this 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 very natural doubt and these waves are just crashing over you it's so important to just pause and take a deep breath and remember the big truths of scripture god is compassionate God is merciful, God is sovereign, in control, in charge, and that he loves you. No, mat- no matter who you are, where you are, how you are right now, he loves you. And he wants what is best for you, what is blessed for you. It might look different to what you planned for them. You know what, that is all right. It's going to be better anyway people will come along into your lives prayers will be prayed over your lives and miracles will happen in your lives we we said as we worked through hebrews that the word miraculous means something that is very very surprising and wonderful I come from a latin word which means marvelous and, and wonderful something marvelous something wonderful something really surprising will happen a way will be made through whatever you're going through because the lord's purposes always prevail and he is compassionate and he's merciful and he loves you and then in one final plea for patience and endurance and trusting in the process james gets a little bit gross and he writes that the lord is compassionate and merciful and you think hang on a minute that's not gross that's beautiful and that's wonderful and uh Merciful here is, uh, is, is, a, is a wonderful word. Maybe your Bible says uh, pitiful or full of pity. Let me tell you why. It's kind of gross but kind of lovely. Uh, this is a one-time word in the Bible. It pops up one time. This is the only time this particular word is used. Not the English word merciful that we've said a few times now. Because we know, don't we, that this part of the Bible wasn't written in English, the New Testament was written in Greek, and this is a one time used word. 99 weeks out of 100, we don't reference individual Greek words because it doesn't matter. But this one is so interesting, so informative. Were we to translate this literally, it would say uh, that the Lord has many bowels. Lit- literally, if you broke this word down, it's kind of two words jammed together. The Lord has many bowels. Do you take comfort from that? No, not really, not yet. Because to the Hebrew minded person, which of course James was, to the Jew turned Christian, which a lot of James's people were, and to the greek speaking average person on the street 2000 years ago which pretty much all of james's people would have been this many-bowled person this many-bowled god is shows that god has an overflow of love and kindness and benevolence and compassion and tender mercies and loving sympathy because they thought that the bowels are the deepest part of a person and that's where these deep emotions come from we would say things like i love you with all my heart or when she left she broke my heart because we would associate emotions and feelings come from the heart James and his people would associate it with the bowels. So when he says, look, God has many bowels, what he means is that God is just overflowing with love, with kindness, with benevolence, compassion, with tender mercies and with love for you. So our patience, our endurance, our trust in the purposes of the Lord come in part from knowing these truths about who he is, that he is overflowing with love, kindness, benevolence towards you, that he is compassionate and merciful to the extreme, to the fullest, to the most possible amount. In Job then, the example that James is using... the the purpose of the Lord and I do believe this is God's purpose for you and for me still God's purpose is to bless his people to restore his people to take what is broken in his people and restore it and is that is that not an absolutely condensed version of the book of James taking what was broken you and your life and restoring in Jesus broken to restored. Jesus wants to take what is broken in your life and restore it, to restore this broken world to an Eden-like state. God, creation, man living harmoniously and peacefully and lovingly together. So the big question for, for you and for me, the big question is are we willing to wait for it? Are you willing to wait for that? Are you willing to look past your trials and your tribulations now to kind of pull your head up out of the water and see what is coming? Are you willing to wait for that? Are you willing to look at the examples of the prophets? Are you willing to see God's plans and purposes worked out through those prophets and then have patience and trust in his purposes charles simeon the the british guy that we referenced right at the start that the guy that pastored one church for 54 years there's a huge patience there isn't there said this he said that the christian must wait upon god many things he will meet to try his faith and patience but he must commit them all to the lord not doubting but knowing that God will give him strength according to the day and cause all events to work together for his good. James is teaching his people here then and us by extension to be patient, to keep going towards God's purposes and they all find their fulfillment, as he writes, at the coming of the Lord Jesus who is coming back. He is the ultimate purpose of the Lord It's the same for us. How do we get from from these people to us people? It's the same. Think longer term and put patience into practice. Your patience has a purpose. Your patience will allow God to reveal his plans and purposes in your life. They are all all those things, all those promises, all those wonderful things that God has for you are on the other side of your patience. Again then... (laughs) This week and every week, it will be so easy to hyper-moralize James and say, look, you are a bad person because you are not patient. Be more patient. But that's not helpful, is it? That's not helpful for anybody, adding to the burdens that we already feel. And that totally leaves Jesus out of the picture. Like, sure, we've referenced him. He's in this text. if we hyper-moralize stuff and say you are a bad person because you are not patient be more patient he is not the hero of this text is he we've referenced him we've glorified him and said he's coming back but if we leave with the burden on us Jesus is not the hero so how does Jesus personify and exemplify the patience and purpose that we've talked about well David Mathis writes how many times How many times have we rebelled? How often have we misrepresented Jesus in what we've said, what we've done, what we've not said, what we've not done, what we don't do? All these wonderful things that the Bible commands us. How many times do we not do them? We claim to be a Christian and we don't do things. How many times, how frequently, do we presume upon his forgiveness when we sin we don't worry god forgives and yeah he does but if we take that light how many times do we do that how many times have we been impatient with him lord why is this happening fix this yesterday you know how many times have we been impatient with him only to find out how gently and kindly He handled us in return So think about it this way then if jesus was not patient with you if he did not personify and exemplify the life of patience and living for god's purposes to bless and restore if he didn't if that is not jesus patience purpose bless restore if jesus was not patient with you if jesus was not patient with us we would all have perished If Jesus was not patient with us, we would all have perished. So let us end today then full of awe for the patience, the purpose, and the person of Jesus.